What's up, everybody? Welcome back to World on Drugs Podcast. I am your host, Steve Fury, and we got another banger. This week, we go deep into Niles Hogel, the second most prolific German serial killer of all time, post-1945, if you get my drift. Um, this man killed probably close to three to 400 people. He was a nurse at a hospital. What he would do is he would go in and give people... Uh, a drug that would cause you to have a heart attack, he'd resuscitate you, bring you back to life, do it over and over again till he got his rocks off. And to accompany this one, we don't have a comedian, but we have an actual ICU nurse, someone who's worked in this for six years, one of the youngest ICU nurses you can be. Uh, her name is Jordan Turner. She's my girlfriend. Did we jump the ship by bringing in a girlfriend? Maybe, but she has great insight. She is uh, an ICU nurse, did travel during COVID, uh, helped save a lot of knives. So it is a great episode. You're going to love it. If you like a guy who kills a shit ton of people and you like some background information on it, this is the episode for you. It is a researcher. We got another Robin Fitch McCullough. So if you like his stuff, you're going to love this one. Um, so I guess we can talk about how I met the last guest, right? Um, I met Jordan when I was touring before COVID. I was having quite a fun little year, and I went to Phoenix. Um, I did a place called, I don't even think this place is open anymore. It was uh, the Comedy Spot, it's called there in Phoenix. There's also a Comedy Spot in uh, Sacramento. No relation. That one is an improv club, as in improv is in the unfunny art form of improv, whereas this one was a stand-up club. It was a chill club, a little bit weird. Um, didn't allow me to drink for free large red flag i mean how much is a how much is a beer to drink light just went off so that's the kind of production we have here how much is a beer to drink 45 cents i should just get them unlimited free especially if i'm the headliner um headline that weekend had a great time um it's the kind of club where the guy pays you in cash which is fun because he didn't pay me in hundreds he paid me in like fives and ones so at the end of the so in comedy there's a thing called the handshake uh it's where you get paid especially on shows that are like a little more alty or smaller venue shows one-off shows people don't come out and just hand you cash they do this handshake thing where it's like kind of like your drug dealer. It's in the thing. You take it. So this guy does that, but with a wad of $1,200 worth of fives and ones. So I walk home with giant pockets. But she uh, went to that show, I guess. At the time, I didn't know. She went with her parents, or stepdad and her mom. And then um, she started following me on Instagram. Uh, DM'd me a couple times. We built a relationship. Got spicy over COVID. Now we've been dating for about a year and a half, maybe a little less than that, a year and a couple months. Um, since then, she has moved from Phoenix out here as a travel nurse. Worked out here in Los Angeles area, um, peak pandemic, so pretty gnarly stuff she had to deal with. And at the end of the month, we're moving in together. Pretty cool, right? Things work out, I guess, for us. So she is great to have on the podcast. Um, you know, sometimes when guys get their girlfriends on podcasts, it's kind of corny. But I feel like this one um, worked out well because she's very knowledgeable, smart, easy on the eyes. So it's pretty good. Uh, we have fun chemistry. Not the funniest episode, but um, good. I enjoyed it. I think you guys will love it. What else we got? How was my week? Oh, since the last episode. Surprisingly, um, the people who did listen to it did enjoy it because um, I think if you get past the beginning, you understand really what happened last week. Um, but it's not not a ton of views, which is interesting to me. But, you know, people jump on this podcast because they want to hear about psychos, even though that psycho is still here. So uh, 
my buddy who was stabbed six times uh, got out of the hospital. He's staying at one of my other buddies' houses. He's doing a lot better. Um, the psychopath stabbing attempted murderer still out, still about three or four doors down from me. Not doors as in houses. I mean doors as in a tiny apartment complex. Um, so that, you know, that's an, I mean, Jordan and I were planning on moving into each other, but we definitely uh, stepped it up with this psycho on the loose. Other than that, the week has been okay. Had my mom come down. A little sweet mom story. Um, that was fun. We, uh, you know, my family, when we hang out, we eat and drink. I don't know if it's just a Fury thing or it's a, maybe a Northern California Sacramento thing. Um, so me and my mom, first night, she came in on Tuesday. She got to see me open the uh, comedy store, which is fun, you know. Like I keep saying, I don't know if I've talked about it. I probably have. The, there's a new booker at the comedy store who I uh, I love. I love like a friend because we were friends before. And I love her as a booker because uh, the last booker, you know, as great as Adam was and as great as his right of revitalization of the comedy store was and he passed me um once he would pass you just stick you up at 1 30 in the morning until you got famous whereas emily is giving people um shots to you know prove themselves uh to be great so she's allowing me to open now as a comedian when you open i equate it a lot to having sex okay i am someone i think i probably talked this on other ones i like to lay pipe you know what I mean? And you don't really want to do that with the first comedian of the night, right? You don't want a guy to go right when you walk in, the first guy's talking about drugs, fucking, stuff like that. You want to just like in sex or in a relationship with someone, you want kissing and open up. So I had opened up the comedy store before. I didn't think I was going to get another one because I cuss a little bit too much, but I got another one, changed up the set, got rid of the kind of the dirtier stuff. Still did me, still was me, but adjusted my set, not just pounding my new material into people's faces and uh went well it went great i gotta bring up sebastian maniscalco if you don't know him you probably don't know anything about stand-up but i'm guessing if you follow me i mean if you follow me you probably know a lot about stand-up because i'm not at the top oh, i am pretty funny gotta bring him up that was cool he was about as cold as i would have thought <laughs> didn't even give me a good set or anything when i opened pretty well um but then later on was mark Marin. And Mark, um, you know, as salty as he can be, he's kind of like a cat, you know. That's the way I would describe him. If you scratch him right and stuff, he's pretty cool. He's always been pretty cool to me. I actually would always make fun of him, um, you know, as much as uh, I have the right to make fun of someone that's in Mark Marin's stature. Um, whenever he would come to the store and I was a door guy sitting at the back door in the parking lot, if he came out smoking a cigar, uh, I would call it Cigar Mark, and he's he's down for a good time. He's down to tell you old stories and to me, I mean, you know, he's got amazing fucking stories because he was hanging out with Kinnison. And then he went to New York and he did the whole 90s stand-up thing. And then it fa his career failed. And then he got a fucking podcast. And now he's one of the biggest touring comedians. So Mark has always been pretty cool to me. Uh, I fuck with Mark, man. Um, I like him, guy. A little salty, but y y there's no reason you have to just be openly nice to everyone. I think I've probably talked about it before. Uh, before the people that always has a smile on their face and the people that are always nice are normally the fakest, and their relationships don't mean as much. So, seeing Mark, and my mom is a huge Mark Marin podcast fan. So, I see Mark, he's near the bathroom, I go, uh, and also, man, now that I've been getting better spots, the other comics treat me, like bigger comics, obviously people at my level or around there have always treated me good, but like the big dogs, they see my name there, and now they treat me as one of them. Am I one of them? No. Am I as funny as some of them? Probably. But, 
just getting the kind of now um, peer respect is pretty fucking cool. I'm going to be honest with you. Like People are walking by and saying hi to me now. So I see Mark. I go, hey, Mark, uh, do you think you can say hi to my mom? She's a huge fan of your podcast. And he spits in my face and says, fuck you. No, he doesn't. He says, uh, yeah, let me do it after my show. After my set, I go, cool. I sit down. I sit down with my mom. And uh, I thought maybe I'd have to wrangle him up or something. Right when he gets done with his set, goes over, talks to his cute girl he's with and walks over to my mom and says hello and says your son's funny and does all the cool stuff and just kind of felt good you know felt nice to be able to do that for my mom we stayed for a couple comics her favorite was Fahim Anwar um also my favorite probably one of my favorite comics working today I like him more than anyone else and I look up to him quite a bit even though he's probably my age but he's a lot smarter than me and uh, a lot more prolific always has so much new material whereas I'm someone who tries to um, whittled down a perfect joke he just kind of goes on and just has great stuff so hung out with him or no watched him she saw some shows her and i got pretty toasty walked home went to sleep woke up a little late and then we went to quality seafood in redondo beach here's a little secret if you're coming to la go to redondo beach during the week that's also another thing if you're coming to la do it during the week L.A. on the weekends is a fucking nightmare because everyone's off and all the tourists are here. But during the week, you can do things that aren't, you don't got to wait in line. I don't wait in lines. If I got to wait in line, I ain't fucking coming. So if I'm going to your thing, I better be able to get in the back door or you know the door guy because I ain't waiting in no fucking line. So uh, we went to Quality Seafood on a Wednesday. Um, It was dope. The beaches are beautiful there and there's sparsely, not very many people there. So Quality Seafood is a, it's a, Kind of a restaurant slash fish market on the pier in Redondo Beach. So you can go in there and there's four different spots on this kind of like a, you know, like a pier would have like a little, like little shops. This guy has four of them together. So there's one that's an oyster shop. There's one that's like a fish shop that you'd buy shit to go home. Then there's one that cooks everything. So we go there. Uh, we get a pitcher of beer, only 16 bucks. Not bad, to be honest with you pretty good for five beers 16 bucks that's around three bucks a beer get a pitcher of beers um then we get pint of ceviche 24 oysters calamari i think that was it still pretty good though that's a lot of food i would highly recommend it um pricey not too bad man not too bad not too bad i mean the beer you know the beer normally 16 bucks could be a fucking drink anywhere else and we did that pictured that bad boy back hung out and then we went and saw a quiet place Two. highly recommend that man quiet place two was really good i'm not going to give any spoilers or anything but uh you know it's a pretty good movie it was pretty suspenseful and fun and there's a lot more monsters in it i don't really understand the monsters that much i don't really understand what their uh drive is they kind of just like beat the shit out of people and then go away i don't know they, they're only into like beating up people they don't even eat them but whatever would highly check out that one after that we came home and just chilled i think and then woke up the next day ran it back going to san pedro fish market so this is kind of uh i don't know if, uh, the poor version of quality seafood it's a little bit bigger um it's pretty cool. You get this. So it's essentially you go to a. There's a fucking line. God damn. If you're going to go here, get ready to wait in a fucking line. And if you go on the weekend, I'm talking you waiting three hours, Jack. On the weekday, it's about 30, 45 minutes. So you wait in this line and you pick all the stuff you want. You know, we went with mussels, clams, shrimp, scramps, 
corn. We did potatoes. Don't get potatoes. They're a little undercooked and kind of just filler. And then we also got some calamari on the side and some fried fish. So bowling. Um, and then what you do is you give that to them, and then they cook it on kind of a giant hot plate with a bunch of, like, fajitas. And Damn, I've been trying to do some push-ups and shit. Oh, my arms are sore. I'm trying to brag. Doing about 100 a day. I can't do consecutive days because my body's falling apart. Um, but I'm trying. I'm trying to lose weight, guys. Trying to get better. Um, so we do that. Wait for our food. Uh, comes. And then my cousins, Audrey and Steve, show up. I guess we invite. We did invite them, and they show up. And they're very cool. They both will work for hotels. Steve is kind of a big wig at, like, the IGH hotels, which is, like, Crown Plazas and Hilton's and shit like that. Or Holiday Inns. So we go and hang out. Three or four pitchers of beer, one pitcher of mango margarita, fire, $40, so a little bit pricey on that one, but pretty good, you know what I mean? The beers weren't that bad. I think they were 17 for domestic, so um, if you also, if you know me, I can drink as much beer as I want. I won't get drunk. I mean, shit, you saw my birthday. You can go back and look on my Instagram on the um, insights, the little circles on top. I think I had 27 and a half in a matter of 12-ish hours. So beer just doesn't really, just, I've hit a super sane level in drinking now. Beer, especially the just like low-end beers, like just lagers and stuff, it's not really going to do much to me. We pound four there, and then Steve goes, hey, I got my buddy, one of my best friends is working the bar at the Crown Plaza Hotel, which is maybe a quarter mile away. So we drive over there, go to that bar, 4.30. And since I said he, like I said, he's a bigwig. So this is kind of a cool thing I didn't know. So when you work for the hospitality industry, um, apparently that's one of the best jobs you can have in the way that they treat you. So Steve, we go there. Steve go. I'm telling him I'm tired. I don't. I was like, you know, I'm getting the age now. If I pound a bunch of beer and I pound a bunch of food in the middle of the day, your boy needs a nap. Okay. So they're talking about, yo, let's keep it going. Steve and uh, Audrey definitely like to tie it on. And, you know, they're with their family, and we don't get to see them all the time. So they're having a good time, and we're excited too. But I'm kind of being like, I can get like a little kid, you know. I'm a pretty fun guy, pretty cool. But when I'm tired, I'm not really fun or cool at all. So I'm like, they're like, let's go to the place. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. I kind of want to take a nap. He goes, "Ah, I'll get you a room. So we get there. He gets a, it's like a fucking crown suite. It's like $40. He just buys it. And then he goes, uh, you go up here, take a nap. We'll be downstairs at the bar. I'm like, okay, I go upstairs, take a nap, slept for probably. You know, you do the initial nap 30 minutes, and you're feeling good. And then you're like, let's just sprinkle on another 15. And then you go into REM, and you get all messed up. But I spent about 45 minutes up there, came down refreshed, pretty good room, pretty good bed. Come down to the bar down there, and then we all proceed to smash probably 10 beers apiece till 9.30, 10.30 at night. Um, then they leave. They Everything was comped from the sliders, beer sirloin sliders, french fries, to 10 beers apiece. You know, it's probably like $300 bill. But, you know, when you work as a higher up in the corporate structure of one of these hotels, they really treat you well. So we just tip, you know, tip pretty good, 50 100 bucks probably all together and then uh they leave we go upstairs me and my mom we crash out on the beds in there uh, wake up in the morning come back to la my mom leaves that would be friday morning and then um friday i think i just hung out with my girlfriend jordan the whole time saturday 
Um, I have two shows. Don't Tell Comedy. If you live in a town where Don't Tell Comedy is do- performing, check it out. So what it is is it's happening in most major cities across America. This guy named Kyle K.A. just, uh, you know, these tech guys and guys good at the Internet are able to promote anywhere. I don't know how they do it. Kyle and the Don't Tell guys normally link up with a business that has a decent email list. Then they bring in comics and the, so, the show's called Don't Tell because they don't tell you who's on the show. But there's normally a couple famous people on there or very good comics like me that get brought in and we perform. So in LA, if you go to a Don't Tell comedy show, you normally can get a pretty sick lineup. So this one was, but they're always in weird places. Yoga studios, gyms, restaurants this one was atop of a parking structure on la brea on top of nangrela the pho place and undefeated 150 people on a parking structure pretty good setup really fun got to hang out with a lot of my bay area comics were on the show it was really cool it was a uh, joey avery shea bell and my guy mike turner's running it and chris Stefano's big name that was on it megan gailey's on it so it was a fun show i do pretty good to be honest with you um, my new story is doing great, and it's great to have something that you work on on the road and get a premiere in L.A., and I feel like, oh, I've been doing this all the time, but no one's heard this shit, so drop those bombs on them. They enjoy it, and then I get a go to do the comedy store. Now, Emily, the new booker of the comedy store, booked me in a main room spot, so the comedy store has three rooms. It has the belly room. That's for novice new guys getting just off shows it's small it's where um dave Chappelle recorded one of his specials i don't think the bird whatever one bird philosophy whatever the fuck it's called it's a small room holds about 75 it's one of my favorite rooms in comedy it's small black box theater it's fantastic but it's more for novices and people coming up i used to perform there all the time as a comedian i used to run a show with craig conan called Buried There that will probably come back. But as of right now, the comedy store is booking it out for their people in development. So what happens is first you become in development, and then if they like you, they pass you into getting your name on the wall, which they only do about three people a year for that. And a lot of them are famous, so that's how I was able to sneak in. Um, So, Belly Room. I don't really get booked in there. I'm just ranked higher than in her mind, I guess, than those are. And the original room, that's the one that Mitzi made. It's a perfect black box 180 seats, a little bit less than that now, but everyone going in there is vaccinated. That can be a tough room. People say it's tough. I don't know. I think it's pretty easy. You just don't suck. But, I mean, you're going after, you know, it's at the comedy store. You're going after Jesselnik. You're going after Sebastian. You're going after Mark Maron. You're going after, and sometimes when I used to go up, show starts at 9, I'm going up at 1.30, same show. People are pretty punch drunk, so you got to be good. You got to, you really develop your voice is essentially what it is. Because if you go up at 1.30 in the morning and you start regurgitating jokes, People don't want to hear that shit, okay? They really don't. They want to get to know you more, so you got to kind of sneak punch those jokes in there so it allows you to really become who you are. Like, I thought I was pretty funny before I moved to L.A., but there's a lot of fat, and L.A. does one thing. It cuts the fat. So I've been going in the O.R. O.R., you make 20 bucks a show. It doesn't matter if you're Joe Rogan or anyone else. In the main room, that's kind of like the premiere one. The lineups are always pretty stacked. It seats about 400 people right now at about 200 due to COVID restrictions. It's a beautiful room. It's, I mean, all these rooms are my favorite. It's the fucking comedy store. It's where I always wanted to be my whole life. Since I was 13, 14, I started reading I'm Dying Up Here in Steve Martin's book. I don't think Steve Martin was talking about the comedy store much, though, in the book. Um, I've only been booked by the comedy store to do a full set in there one other time. So when she gave me this one, also your pay in the main room 
is the comedians get half the ticket sales divided amongst the comedians. So, you know, your pay can go to, you know, 180 to 400 bucks for 15 minutes. That can really help someone my level. If I can get three of those, that pays for my rent and I can work everything else out. So she gave me it. And I'm going after a guy. I think it was Jesselnick, Eric Griffin, then Jack Knight, then me. I'm going up at 10 o'clock. Show starts at 8. It's a damn good spot, you know. But there's a lot more pressure. You're at the main room of the fucking comedy store. I've only done it one other time. So I'm getting to go up. Um, but I was able to stretch my legs at the Don't Tell show first. I go up there. And also, you know how I said earlier, when you open, you got to kind of be, you know, kiss the neck a little bit, nibble. But when I'm going up 10 o'clock, two hours later, I can just be me. I can be kind of dirtier, talk about the shit I want to talk about. Um, the new shit hits. It's going good. Um, 15 minutes, I'm able to even go on some later, some of my dirtier jokes at the end. And it just goes great. It was a fun time. And it and it reminds me that I belong. You know, a lot of times in your life you can doubt yourself. And it doesn't matter if I'm living in my studio studio or anything else. I'm going up the main room at the comedy store. I'm proving myself that I belong. So that was my week, and then we recorded today. So it was a really fun time. Um, Enjoy this show, guys. This was a Robin Fitch McCullough research episode about Niles Hogle. Niles Shadow. The Black Death. Enjoy the show. Um, For some suggestions for you to check out, uh, the new Brock Hampton album just came out. Um... So what they are is like they're like a group of like fifteen young kids. They were when their first stuff out. They're probably like in their mid twenties now, um, and they got like a super group kind of thing. And they make rap albums and are pretty good, very emotional. There's like one guy who's like, who's like, I mean, he's gay. That's not. There's a couple guys in there that are gay, but he always raps like kind of how like trap rap would do. But he's talking about like kissing dudes and stuff. Pretty cool, I think. You know, very unique. Um, a lot of great, they have an ASAP Ferg, ASAP Rocky song on there that, you know, I haven't heard about the ASAP gang in a while, and I was always a huge fan, so that song is a banger. Um, my girlfriend suggested, these are her suggestions, check out Nurse Jackie. She steals in the show, Nurse Jackie's Edie Falco from um, The Sopranos. She steals medicine in that show, and so you can kind of get a little behind-the-scenes thing in what Niels Holkel does. And then also she told me, you guys, check out Dirty John. I said that earlier. On a couple other episodes, but that one ties in with this. So, once again, Niles Hogel. The Hogel Shadow. Hogel Death. The Rambo Resuscitator. That was another name this guy fucking had. Old Gnarl Ears. And special guest Jordan Renee Turner. The um, ICU nurse. COVID nurse. Bitch who knows her shit. Check this episode out. Love you guys. Keep raising the podcast. Like and share this shit. If you enjoy this, share it with a friend, man. I'm trying to get these viewers up. And, you know, I keep saying we got guests coming, but when the po- store podcast studio opens and everything, it's going to be good. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the show. See you next time. What is up, Jordan? Hi. Jordan Turner. How you doing today? Great. How are you? Pretty excited to have you on. So why we have you on is you are a ICU nurse, right? Yes, sir. Correct. What have And you've been in... Um, you are my girlfriend as well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't so leave that out. We're jumping the shark here. We're bringing in <laughs> non-comedians. But the reason you're going to be good for this one is because we're doing a guy named Needles Hogel. <laughs> and it's, uh, he has a cool nickname. It's uh, Hogel's Shadow. 
the death man and a bunch of them. What this man did was he was a German nurse in the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, he was one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. He's thought to have killed over 100 people. So what we're going to do is we are going to run through this. And you can either, we're going to try and run this on what you would have done to kill these people. Okay. Which maybe <laughs> might get you in trouble. Or we're just going to see <clears throat> your point of view on this stuff. Okay. Because cool. I think a uh, cool thing about the show has been people really like when we get someone who knows what they're talking about. I try and, and know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think this is something that you know what you're talking about with. So I think it's going to work out. Cool. So what we're going to do is feel free to read along. And we're just going to bang this out. <clears throat> Timeline. December 30th, 1976. Niels Hogel is born in Wilhelmshaven, Lower Saxon. Um, that was W-I-L-H-E-L-M-S, Haven. Wilhelmshaven, Lower Saxony. 1994 is when the story really begins. And we're going to ask you some questions. You'll see there's a break in this stuff. Hogel begins a vocational nursing program at St. Wilhad Hospital in Wilhelmshaven. So, Sank, S-A-N-K-T, Willie Had Hospital. I, they say the V's, W's are V's. I looked up most of the stuff, how to say it. 1997, Hogels completes his nursing program and begins to work at Sank Vilhad. So, 1994, 1993. Took him three years. Uh, how long does it take an American nurse to go through nursing school? Well, that says vocational. So, vocational is typically like LPN is okay. what I understand. LVN. Oh, interesting. Okay. LVN what is an LPN? Well, the LVNs in California, LPNs anywhere else. Um, they're like license. It's licensed vocational nurses. It's like kind of like a step below an RN. So they're not do. real deal. Not really. <laughs> not really. They are, but not really. And so, a nursing program should take four years for a bachelor's degree. Two years for. A so you could only do one more year, and the guy could have been a real deal guy. I I mean, if, if it works the same in Germany, yeah. Now, I would have. <laughs> I'm so insecure. I would have done the extra year. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want. If anyone. you're already that far along, yeah. why not? Okay, so so how long did you take to go through your school? What did you do? I did. I did a, uh, my bachelor's degree and my associate's degree at the same time. Uh, so it took me two years to do a four-year degree. Um, Holy! <laughs> and then, um, what was the other question? That was pretty much <laughs> it, I think. Um, yeah. So two years, but four years total, I guess. So Hogel, he's kind of lazy too. You know, he could have yeah. done the two-year one and became a real deal one. By 1999, Hogel moves to Oldenburg, where he works at the Oldenburg Clinic's intensive care unit for cardiac, cardiac, cardiac patients, cardiatric patients, right? Cardiac. Oh, it is cardiac. <laughs> cardiac, yeah. So okay. he's a CVICU nurse, which if you're a nurse, they have a reputation. What's the reputation? They're a little bougie, a little crazy. Oh yeah, aren't you in those? No, I'm not a CVI. I'm an ICU nurse, but not cardiovascular. So what does the cardiovascular ones do? Um, they work with like open hearts. Heart transplants, stuff. Like, well, not transplants. I'd be trying to cut that. <laughs> Open hearts, um, like balloon pumps in the hearts and stuff like that. So would an LVN work with those guys? Maybe back then, yeah, but <clears> now, <throat> no. I mean, I've only ever seen LVNs in the hospitals here, nowhere else. Oh, where do they go normally? For like hospices or old people or something? Jails, um, oh. folks' homes, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Great information. <laughs> so he went straight to the ICU after two years. Yeah. Is that normal? That's a red flag already, no. That's a red flag already? <laughs> no. Okay, yeah, because uh, we're going to learn a lot about these things where it's kind of like if I would have known this guy's uh, information, I would have liked him not to be my nurse. <laughs> right. Um, August 2001. So he graduated four years ago. 
A meeting is held with the staff in the intensive care unit at the Oldenburg Clinic to address an acute rise in the number of resuscitations and deaths in the cardiac ward. So, Jordan, five years out of nursing school, he's already getting his work done. He's already killing people. Is this an easy thing to do to start, you know, have a nurse killing people without other people knowing? I mean, I feel like every nurse's biggest fear is to make an error that would harm or kill somebody. (laughs) So it's easy to do, of course, but it's not something that anybody would have ever intentionally want to do. But it's doable, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. So let's say you are a psychopathic German nurse. (laughs) Yeah. How many people do you think would you have to kill? You know, you're killing them on the sly. We're going to find out how he does it later. But, you know, whatever way you might think, but how many people would you know that these guys started to have to have a meeting about the number of recitations and deaths in the cardiac ward? Uh, to have a meeting about it, it's probably happening every shift, if if not more. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how it could happen more than every shift, but probably every shift, every guy that this every patient this guy takes care of, I would assume. So is there a weekly meeting about statistics with nurses and stuff? There's like pre-shift meetings, but not. I've never in four years being a nurse had a meeting about how many deaths were. I mean, other than during COVID, but not intentional, not like a red flag of how many deaths we're having. No, that's. So from what I have understand, because one, I helped research this, and two, um, actually we had a great researcher. I'll talk about him in the beginning of this episode. A new guy did a fun little episode. I think where we could work on some stuff, but he did a good job. Um, so from what I understand, this guy got his rocks off. Not necessarily by killing people. He loved to resuscitate people. He's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. So he like, if someone died, it was more like, ah, that didn't work out. If you were going to kill people, or not you, the proverbial you, you're a crazy German nurse. Uh What do you think would be a way that you could kill people without them knowing? Because maybe I'll see if it's uh, the same way he did it. I mean, if somebody's not... If somebody doesn't have, like, a protected airway, like, if they're not intubated, you could overdose them on narcotics because that'll s- slow down their breathing. But then once you have, aren't the narcotics very regulated? Very regulated, but there's ways to get around ways. it. Ways, <laughs> yeah. Now, okay, <laughs> this is my idea was, because I go through this, too. I, I pretend to be s- the psychopath, too. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to be a pillow guy. Pillow guy. Like, just... Just straight up smothering them. I mean, you could if they're sedated, restrained, any of those things. Yeah, because if they're not restrained or not sedated, their eyes are going to bulge and stuff, right? And you'll see that they were smothered. I mean, I think you could see if they're smothered regardless. Okay, so you would know. I think. So what would be a way? Is there a way? Because he has a pretty good way until he gets noticed by some vials that were found. So what is there a way that people could do this? I mean, you you could do stuff like... Like um, IV potassium that could stop your heart. Mm. You do that. Now, and would that you be like able to come up on like a talk screen or anything because it's just potassium? Would you be able mm-hmm. to steal those potassium things without anybody knowing? Because that's kind of where he fucked up. Probably, yeah, especially probably back then when things weren't like all computers mm. for sure. It'd be a lot easier to steal potassium than it would be like narcotics. <laughs> okay, cool. There we go. So, so far, you are killing people with potassium in this <laughs> idea. Your German person is killing with potassium. I'm starting off bad. By smothering people. Yeah. So uh, probably Sounds not going like to. a lot of work. Yeah, probably not going <laughs> to go very well for me. September f- 2001. Oh, God, they had their own September 11th. Hogel calls in sick for three weeks. During this time, deaths in the ward decline. 
He returns to work later that month and is moved to the anesthesiology ward. He earns the nickname Death Hogel at the ward. Here's one thing. Maybe don't give me the guy nicknamed Death. Why would you not just fire this guy? Why would you nickname him Death Hogel rather well, than be like, this? there's a correlation here? Well, they have no proof yet. They haven't oh. caught him. All there is is a correlation that this guy, people die when he's around. No, he needs to be investigated. He needs to be taken off the floor so and I investigated. Th- I think that's going to happen pretty soon. Also, you know, maybe like if nicknames, ha- nurses have nicknames, I get to choose, you know, like... If it's between, like, Death Hogel or Bad Breath Jenny, <laughs> I get to choose maybe the latter. So, here's another question for you. Do nurses often get three weeks off? Uh, no. I mean, I've never okay. taken three weeks off before. Okay, so would you think, now, would a nurse, or a modern hospital and a modern nursing unit notice that just when this guy was gone, less people died? I would say so. Yeah. That's something I think, yeah. Especially if, like, I don't know how to say this. Um, I feel like if, especially if he took three weeks off and deaths along the whole unit declined, and then he comes back and they move him, mm-hmm. yeah, they've noticed. And that's something, yeah. You can keep going. Because <laughs> uh, that's also the thing I'm going to say here. You know, when we're when we're per- <coughs> when we're going to try and construct the perfect nursing serial killer here. So far, it's potassium. I'm already losing with this. <laughs> He's not going to just his patients. Yeah, it sounds like he's probably trying to like assist with everybody yeah, else's so that's, and slip something in there, and yeah. That's what they keep noticing. They're like, "Why are you now at every resuscitation?" That's why I don't ever let anybody else get my patients' meds. There you go. Mm-mm. You're gonna make. I don't trust n- nobody. No hogles coming <laughs> in your area. No. Do nurses get a lot of nicknames? Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. a nickname you've had, or what's a nickname someone else has had? You don't have um, to use their actual name. Or no, you can use their first I name. Won't. Um, I worked in a COVID ICU for a while last year, and uh, nobody was doing anything intentionally. Obviously, yeah. people were just dying because it was COVID, and uh, there was like it would we would call people the angel of death if they had a bunch of codes, <coughs> but it would kind of like pass around to different yeah. people. So like we'd be having a bad week, and the next week I'd be the AOD, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, so the kind of the angel of death is just uh, probably a thing in a lot of. Probably. A lot of nurses. But yeah. it wasn't like oh, it was a red flag. It was just like it was a rough time. Yeah, it was just <laughs> statistically, it was yeah. your time that yeah. people were going to pass away. Yeah, I feel like that. And, you know, you got to make jokes when you're in such a fucking dark place. You have to. All right. September 2002. This is a year after all this bad stuff starts happening. The head of the Oldenburg Clinic confronts Hogel <laughs> about his presence during many of the ward's emergency situation. He is the given the option of resigning or being reassigned actually though we did miss one question i wanted to say Hmm. on the last one so he went from the heart cardiac or icu to the anesthesiology is that a big downgrade um at nurses i mean to not don't really work in anesthesiology unless you're a crna which is like an advanced practice nurse that does that's what you're gonna be one day that's yeah um but that would be a huge upgrade which is why if he was like being watched or something i don't know why they'd move him somewhere that's like you more drugs are people, being used yeah. yeah like more you're using more drugs more stuff like that i don't know okay cool so back to september 2002 he's getting confronted by the Ordenplayer clinic <laughs> and he's given the option of resigning resigning or being reassigned if okay let's say you got okay so right now you're uh helga you're the german nurse <laughs> yeah you're potassiuming all your <laughs> all your friends' patients in the ward. Mm-hmm. You're getting reassigned. You're gonna either resign or get reassigned. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, you're like, I'll just quit this place, go somewhere else, 
would that go on your record? And are those records passed between, you know, Banner and Kaiser? Maybe all the Banners would have your your thing or all the Kaisers. But would your stuff get passed the same way in your American home? If he was, um, if he had any like disciplinary action for anything, if he was like written up for something like a medication error or something, I think that goes in like your employee file so that people could know about that. Like you can get written up for like attendance and stuff, which if you go apply for another job, people will find out about it. So it depends if they were just suspicious and didn't actually get him like in trouble for anything, then nobody would know. All right. How do you think right now he's killing these patients? <clears throat> so he's always at, he's, he's always at. I'll give you some stuff real quick. He's always at the resuscitations. Mm-hmm. Everybody's when he's working. A lot of people are dying around him. He was in the cardiac ICU. Go. Well, he's doing something that can be undone if he's. You know what I mean? Like yes. if they're, if they're because they, not all of them die, right? You know he he can bring some of them back. So he's doing something that can be undone, that can be reversed. Um. I don't know. It's got to be medication of some kind. Medication of I'm some assuming, kind. I'm assuming, yeah. So right now you're also the detective. What's your de- <laughs> detective Jordan and evil nurse Heidi? Was that Hilga. what we were? Hilga. Hilga. <laughs> Hilga. Yeah. You're Helga. He's Hogel. Helga and Hogel. <laughs> Match made in heaven. Match made in heaven. <laughs> Match made in hell. Yeah. December literally. 2002. So it's about two months, three months later, three months later. You guys know math. Hogel <laughs> leaves the Oldenburg Clinic for the Delman Haas Clinic. D-E-L-M-E-N-H-O-R-S-T. Soon emergency situations and deaths rise here. So like I just asked you, uh, there's no, is, there a situ- is there a system in place that if people were moved to different hospitals to transfer? Uh, no, I, I don't think there is. Because I've also seen, I remember when we went to, uh, what was that weird casino hospital we went to in northern Arizona in the height of COVID? Remember? Oh, yeah, we were in... Fourth of July, a yeah. year ago, mm-hmm. almost a year ago today. We were in, uh, I don't remember where we were. It's a nice little town. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we were watching a lot of murder shows. Yeah. And there was one nurse who kept going around and killing people, and he was wasn't like getting caught. John. Yeah, like a lot, like Dirty John. Also, that's a great show. I've already suggested everyone mm-hmm. watch that. Here's one too. Um, I'm gonna help. Heigl, what was your name? I'm Helga. Helga. I'm going to help Helga, too. I think it would be extremely easy to murder people with your medications as a travel nurse. Probably. I feel like travel nurses get a bad reputation anyway because I've seen, even when I was at a staff staff nurse at a hospital, we've had some travelers do some shady things. (laughs) Yeah, you're like a fucking nomad, and your stuff doesn't change, Mm -hmm. and you just keep moving. So right now... I keep thinking Catherine Heigl. What's your name again? Helga. Helga. I need to write that down somewhere so I can stop making this. Helga, 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 Helga. So you're Helga. You're a travel nurse. Uh-huh. You're potassiuming people. Yeah. I'm Steve. <laughs> I'm just smothering people to death, and I'm getting a staff position. It's not going well for me. No. Spring 2002, so a couple months after December. Though popular among staff and doctors at the Delman and Haas Clinic, a pattern of reanimation and death emerges once again. Over the next two years, Hogle alienates himself from the rest of the staff. What the fuck is reanimation? Is that like resuscitation? Like when someone um, dies and they come bring it back to life? I guess. I've never heard that as far as death and reanimation. I don't know. I think. Okay, that might be not a 
<laughs> medical term. Um, are there nurses that no one fucks with? Like Absolutely. People? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, I'm not one of them. No, you seem pretty popular. <laughs> but there's, yeah, I've worked with some nurses that I would never fuck with and that other people did not fuck with, for sure. All right, sure. you're you're the German nurse. Uh-huh. Are you popular or are you staying in the shadows? Uh, if I was going to be intentionally doing stuff like this, I would stay in the shadows. Stay in the shadows. I wouldn't, I think. Okay, so you're a creepy nurse, travel nurse, jacking people with potassium. Yes. And you th- we're thinking that's the best way to go right now. I would think so. Okay, mid-2004, here's a little fun one. Holgo is married and has one child, but that doesn't seem to go well. We're about to, don't look ahead, okay? Okay. December 2004, two years later, almost on the dot, a patient notifies staff that an unknown staff member gave her an injection after which she had a heart attack. And that same staff member resuscitated her, but she cannot identify Hogel. So now you just got a little little hint. Can you guess what he's doing right now? He's injecting people and giving them a heart attack. It could be potassium. Could be the potassium <laughs> one. How cool would it be if you called it? It is close to what you're saying. I do know that. Okay. June 22nd, 2005. My man has been here for three years straight murdering people as a creep in the side. <laughs> Hogel is cocked adjusting a patient's syringe, attempting to administer, administer ajmaline, A-J-M-A-L-I-N-E, also known as a trade by Gilutermol. Ritmos and Aritamina. I have never heard of that. Okay. So, we're going to go... An investigation to Hogel is launched by the Demhorst Police. So, this is what the drug is. is an alkaloid that is classified as an A1 arrhythmic agent. Anti-arrhythmic. Anti-arrhythmic agent. is often used to induce arrhythmic contractions in patients suspected of having Brugada syndrome. Individuals suffering from Brugada syndrome will be more susceptible to arrhythmogenic effect of the drug. <laughs> what is that? Arrhythmogenic. Arrhythmogenic of the drug and can be observed on an electrocardiogram or an ST elevation. You have any idea what that is? Yeah. So ST elevation is typically like what we would call a STEMI, which is a ST elevated my- myocardial infarction, which is a heart attack. Okay. So basically he's giving people heart. He's giving people STEMIs basically. Yes. So do you know what this drug is? Or I've never heard of, of it. Well, it's an antiarrhythmic drug which i've just never heard of that so you haven't heard of these drugs but we're going to find out what the american version is because this is what ajmaline is it is an alkaloid that's classified as a 1a anti-arrhythmic agent it is often used to induce arrhythmic contractions in patients suspected of having brugada syndrome individuals suffering from brugada syndrome are more susceptible to the arrhythmogenic effects of the drug and they can be observed on an electrocardiogram as an ST elevation. So, Jordan Turner, mm-hmm. what is an ST elevation? Um, it It's like an elevation in the last part of your uh, EKG that shows um, that you're having a heart attack. It's called a STEMI, basically. Um, it's a ST elevation in myocardial infarction, which is a long word for heart attack. Okay. What does, have you ever heard of the Brugada syndrome? No, I have not. But you're not on that heart fucking Yeah, team. no. So thing. this guy is doing what to people? He is giving them antiarrhythmic drugs and sending them into um, an MI, an, a heart attack, basically. Okay. Do you know what the this version of the American stuff is? Um, no, I don't know what, what version it would be, but there's like different antiarrhythmic drugs, like Cardizem, like Labetalol, like stuff like that. Okay. Do you think this was a pretty good way to be killing people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because I mean, you if you 
or having a heart attack, you can be resuscitated. Yeah. You know, it's not just like a one and done. Like and that's the, what he wants. Yeah. He's he obviously gets off on like bringing them back or something or like the intensity of a. I could see that being pretty yeah. fun. Playing God. Uh, You're just playing yeah, God. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it seems that's kind of what these like uh, from what I understand most uh, serial killers enjoy, you know, fucking right. with their prey, playing God. Yeah. Okay. You've got your way. You think your way is better than this way as Helga? It might be kind of the same. Kind of the same because you're just making a heart attack. But so this guy's going to get caught because people are going to start noticing. He's going to start just leaving these fucking vials around. He's getting sloppy. He's getting sloppy. (laughs) And we're going to see why he's getting sloppy because the motherfucker is putting up numbers. This guy's killed probably close to, I think, way more than 100 because he does it over like 16 years. And I don't know. I think he was doing like one or two a day, maybe one a night. Dang. So, we're still good. You've, uh, I've gotten caught. People are saying, why is someone leaving these pillows all around to all these <laughs> dead people? And also, probably not a good way for me to resuscitate people, right? If they're... If you've smothered them. If I've smothered them. I feel like that's kind of like a one and done. Like, it can't really be undone. Yeah, and then you, you, know? you like cut off air to their brain, too, yeah. right? Yeah, so I'm not doing good. They know me, the bumbling. But I'm very popular, unlike you. <laughs> Yeah. Helga's very creepy. You're well liked. I'm the I'm back in the shadows being creepy. Yeah. But everyone getting away lo- with it. <laughs> everyone <laughs> loves me. I'm like the fucking tempur guy. I just come in <laughs> with a lot of pillows. And people are comfortable until they're too comfortable. You're the MyPillow guy. I'm the MyPillow guy. <laughs> <laughs> Love Fox News. <clears throat> June 24th, 2005. After a secret meeting amongst the staff at the Delmhaus Clinic, it is decided that Hogel should be confronted. He was released from his position at the clinic. So, just released, uh, would the hospital contact police normally? I feel like if you were going to get the police involved, you'd have to have, like, hard evidence that he was doing it. Like, you'd have to be like, we found this, we have proof Mm -hmm. that he did it, rather than just the suspicion of, like, when this guy's gone, deaths are down, when this guy's here, deaths are up. Like, that's a red flag, but you can't, what are the cops going to do? You know, especially, I, I, I did forget this, but I would guess because I think Germany is pretty good to their people like that there's got to be this guy's got to have a pretty good nurses union behind him probably you know yeah I mean? where you can't mm-hmm. just fire a guy for this kind of shit yeah you can't just do that which you know i'm pretty pro union normally july 2005 holgel is arrested for attempted murder he is released on bail and lives with matthias corson a former victim he lives with a victim i know not his kid and his wife what so would you let me live with you after i tried to give you a heart attack no no, but you don't know. You don't know. You, you just remember me as a nice nurse who always oh, had a doesn't... pillow on him. Oh, okay. Um, maybe if you were just a nice nurse that was very comfortable. I didn't know. Yeah, it was very comfortable. Yeah, for sure. So I think you haven't been caught yet. Probably not. I'm. Ca- I've been caught. <laughs> I'm for sure caught right now. December 2006, H- Hogel is sentenced to five years for involuntary manslaughter and an additional five-year ban on working on the medical field by a regional court. But that's tr- it? I know. We're going to get to <laughs> that. The trial is reversed on appeal and he moves, and he's moved in with his parents. Through an unemployment agency, he takes a job at an elder care facility. How can Have you ever heard of anyone? Have you ever heard of a killer nurse before in the system, like in the group? Is there like a... Is there like a or like a like a personal legend yeah no no um but also if you are if you do five years for involuntary manslaughter and you don't 
keep your nursing license. Ah, I mean, you, if I got a DUI, I could use, lose my nursing license. Never mind going to prison for involuntary manslaughter. What do you mean? Especially like if... That's crazy. If like one of my nurses was nicknamed Dr. Death. Right. And he just got involuntary manslaughter. But it did get put down. It's reversed on appeals. So... Oh, okay. Technically, he's not in trouble yet. Then he wasn't. Yeah, still, though. And he's probably, when you go to an unemployment agent, he's probably, they're probably like, yeah, dude, we'll fucking, we would love to have you. you right, know? yeah. <laughs> like, way too better. Good for this. June 2008, a retrial by state court results in Holgo receiving a seven-year sentence for manslaughter and a seven-year ban on employment in the medical field. Just a seven-year ban. So he's getting, so basically he can't work while he's, or is that seven years after he's Yeah, out? or is it in conjunction? You yeah. Know, it could be seven years and the guy's back. But nonetheless, like, that's not something you would ever work... You wouldn't work again after that. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. You wouldn't be doing ever. that ever. No. Okay. January 14th, the Oldenburg Regional District Attorney reopens the case against Hogel. Damn, mm-hmm. my bro was... So he said... That's six years out. The guy's almost out, and they reopen his case. Oh, shit. He, that would fucking suck. <laughs> So, almost a year later, September 2014, Hogel is charged with three counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder due to the events at the Denham Hoss Clinic. Hogel confesses to these and an additional 30 murders. Holy shit. Oh, wow. So. He's like, well, I've been caught. I might as well confess to everything I've done. Like, <laughs> I don't think he confesses to all of it. No, I think he but- kind of is a little... He's probably like after 30, it's been like four hours in the tank and they're like, well, just cut it here, bud. You got, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Are you confessing? Okay, you're the German. Helga. Helga. (laughs) You're potassiuming people. Mm -hmm. You're a weirdo in the corner. No one likes you. Mm -hmm. You got caught. Are you confessing to more murders or are you trying to just plead that you're innocent? Because you're pretty got right now. If I was already like if if I was God, I would just confess. I, I would think too. I would. Yeah. If I if they were only coming at me with like one, I and they didn't reopen my case, I would hold on to the rest. But I know because he was doing pretty yeah. good. He was getting past shit, but they were just kind of on his ass. Thank yeah. God. Better than the goddamn Russian cops that we had a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Those guys were dog shit. <laughs> um, me too. I think. Me, the pillow murderer, my pillow murderer. That's my guy's nickname. <laughs> my pillow murderer. <laughs> um, I'm confessing to everything. I'm confessing to ones I wasn't even in. You know, like people like broke their leg in a car crash and they got brain trauma. I was like, I was there, dude. I was there. It was me. Dreaming. It was I all did me. it. <laughs> I want to put up all the numbers. If I'm going down, I want to be. Because also, you know, you're going to go to jail. I would rather go to jail as not the guy giving people heart attacks. I'd be the guy who like killed 300 people. That's true. October 2014, following Hogel's confessions, police opened a wider investigation into his medical career. A month later, the police identify potentially 200 victims. Holy shit. And the German police, police widened the investigation with a task force named Cardio. Ironic. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> Cardio pretty cool with a K, too. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> pretty cool-ass task force nickname. I'm always like, who's the guy who makes up, makes up the nickname? Right. You know, they're like, well, we got to get Ted on here because he comes up with great Cardio nicknames. with a K. Yeah. That sounds like a Ted thing. So my mine would be the my pillow killer, right? Or what did I say? Yeah, my pillow my murderer. Pillow killer. My pillow murderer. That's way better. <laughs> I like my pillow kill. No, my no, pillow murderer. No, do you murderer. want the enunciate or the, yeah. the whatever the two words that sound mm-hmm. the same next to each other? That is far more pleasing on the ears <laughs> so you're the potassium what are you going to be the potassium 
Mm. Mm. What's what's potassium banana? So maybe the <laughs> banana bandit. Like I think potassium's in kale too. I could be the kale killer. Oh, the kale killer. <laughs> there you go. The kale killers the kale with kill. C's though. That sounds really yeah. Look, they changing. They're changing the things up. Yeah, yeah. So the kale killer and the my pillow murder. About a year later, February 28th, 2015, Hogel is sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of release at 15 years. You know, man, I'm so liberal, but, like, the jail stuff is getting insane. Yeah. They're well, kind of gentle over there. Well, I they're gentle. Like. I mean, what about the the guy who got the attempted murder in two bouses yeah, down from true. us right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, 15 years. You kill almost 200 people and you get 15 years, maybe? That's crazy. Because you know he's going to be get off for being good because he's a fucking nurse and he's gonna be nice to yeah people. but that's that's a total abuse of power you don't just you know what i mean yeah. you can't i don't feel like they're gonna cut him any slack for being a nurse i feel like they're gonna be like you intentionally abused your power well i mean he's what i mean is he's gonna go to jail and he's probably gonna get out early like good behavior yeah. good behavior yeah because you also worked in a jail for a long time yes that was my very first nursing job was jail so you work out perfectly for this. We're not. I'm not just selling out to get my girlfriend on the podcast. Like I'm running out of guests. Number one, I keep saying it. That comedy store podcast place is going to open up. It's going to be a lot easier to get people. Not in my studio. Studio, but you would have been perfect for this no matter what yes. because you have jail experience and nursing experience. November 2016, Task Force Cardio identifies and confirms 37 victims between 2003 in 2005 but the police say this is just the tip of the iceberg yeah i would say yeah, it's just i would the say tip so too iceberg. yeah and i think when this guy is making people get enough deaths that they're having meetings everywhere he goes yeah how many people did helga kill yeah your character um are you are you were you trying to stay more under because you know i feel like I helga's would, smart yeah i think that the more you the more you do it and the more you get away with it, then you get messy. You get sloppy. I feel like I would just kind of do like sprinkle it in here and there. Like yeah. things go good for a couple of weeks, got a death. Yeah. Things maybe. go good for a couple of weeks, got a death. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You know, maybe you set up a camera in there, like your phone, and you do it. And then you can kind of get your Jones by rewatching yeah, it. Yeah, go home and watch it later. <laughs> later. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I think, you know, I think Helga gets off. You seem smart and you're personable and you're yeah. pretty. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm not. I'm fat. Well, people <laughs> like me, but I'm like out of You're shape. You're very personable. I'm very personable. Not people very smart. like me. Not very smart. <laughs> and um, people are just weirded out that I have pillows all the way around. That's true, yeah. You're just a comfy guy. I am comfy. August 2017. The Hogel Task Force increases the known number of victims to 90. This, uh, for some reason, at the beginning, it felt like it was a long time ago that this guy was around, and now it's like... No, it's right now. They're uncovering shit like from a couple yeah. years ago. It's, we're going to go up to 2020. That's crazy. Yeah, so this guy... I mean, his career lasted... 2008, so almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. 90 confirmed victims, which is kind of like... You ever watch like uh, drug dealing shows, and they're like... We confiscated $15 million worth of marijuana. But they're doing it like at the most possible month they could say. But I always feel like when they do it, it's like how much someone would have sold it by gram when they do street value. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you buy it, things in fucking bulk, it goes way down. And I think these guys, you know, 90 confirmed victims, I would say. 10 years, 90, that's 90 a year. That's less than one a month. I think you could kill. I think Heidi could kill. Helga. Helga could kill. <laughs> it's going to fuck up this podcast. People are be so mad if I keep saying that. I think you're going to kill more than one person a month, especially if you, I bet you staying under the radar 
killing one person a month wouldn't that's get pretty, noticed. Yeah, that's pretty under the radar, yeah. I would think. That's like 0.75 people a month. 0.75, yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, I don't think that's getting you in trouble. No. So that's why you're fine. I'm 90 a year. I just, I'm putting up numbers. Yeah, she's going to keep coming. You can pet her, too. <laughs> oh, okay. doesn't matter. People are getting quite familiar with her on this with podcast. The, yeah. Yeah. So the police say that's just the tip of the iceberg. January 2018, through be, though behind bars, Hogle is charged with more than 100 murders. We keep going up. Wow. With the first occurring on February 7th, 2000, and the last occurring on June 24th, 2005. So they're only giving him five years. So he killed 200-something people in five years? A hundred people in five years. Oh, that's not under the radar at all, I don't think. A hundred people five years? No, maybe it is. I guess it is. Okay, so I think I did the... Okay, you yeah. did the math. I did yeah. the math right up here. So the members of the cardio suspect the number is far higher. Mm-hmm. So five years, that's around 60 months, a hundred deaths. It's about one, 1. 1.4, 1.7 deaths a month. You could that's probably pretty, get away with that. Yeah, that's pretty... It's like pretty that's slack. not going to tick. No. It's not going to tick. It's, it's not raising red flags, I don't think. No. And also, they went from 2000 to 2005. He beca- he started getting noticed in 2009, I believe. What's the meeting? Oh, 2001. No, that's the Oldenburg. Yeah. He Okay, no. That's actually pretty good. <clears throat> so that's kind of the, the, the path he was on. Hmm. October 30th, 2018. On the first day of his trial, Holgel confesses to 43 murders, denies fives, and says that he cannot recall the other 52. Why are you denying five? Why deny like, five? You're, no, you're not credible at all anymore. Why deny five? And how do you, what do you not, how do you not recall the other 52? Yeah, it's not your car keys, like, dog. Yeah. <laughs> I could maybe deny 52 and not recall the five? Right, yeah. If I'm killing somebody, I'm not just going to be like, oh, those 52 murders? Yeah. Don't remember. Mm, I don't know. I was a little hung over that day. Didn't have my coffee yet. No. June mm-hmm. 6, 2019, um, Hogle was found guilty of 85 counts of premeditated murder. His life se- his sentence is adjusted to life. Good. They're finally stepping it up. Parole. Yeah. It only took 85 <laughs> premeditated murders. For him to get something a little bit more than... September 11th, yeah. 2020. The German court denies Hogel's appeal. Following the appeal hearing, it is confirmed that the investigators are looking into other employees at the clinics. Do you think it's possible other people are doing this too? Um, it depends what kind of a person he was. I mean, he could have been like finessing like young nurses to like help him out, maybe. Or if he was like he could have been like if he was training people, he could have been like, Go give this med. Yeah. And then, and then it happens and then he gets to be the hero and come in and resuscitate them. Maybe. Yeah, I would but say. But I don't think so. I feel like it was totally. He's a. I feel like it was a one-person job. <laughs> yeah, I would only look into the other people by saying maybe that they were um, allowing him to help them a lot more, yeah. kind of like more malpractice kind of stuff. But I don't think there was a ring of insane German nurses. No, neither. No, because it, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. So that's the timeline. Did good job. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna now go into. The overview, the synopsis, this goes a lot more in-depth. Um, you know, this one doesn't have as many questions in it, but f- please feel free to, you know, chirp in all you can. It's cool. going to be a lot of reading, so we would love to hear your voice as much as possible. On December 30th, 1976, Nadel is born in Wilhelmshaven, Lower Saxony, a coastal town in northern Germany on the North Sea. 
Born into a medical family, his grandmother and father both worked as nurses. He has described his childhood as protected and sheltered. That's his first problem. Yeah, those are always yeah, the They're weirdest. always the weird ones. <laughs> According to his own testimony, he, unlike other serial killers, saw and experienced no abuse or violence at home, a home which he shared with an older sister, father, and his mother, a paralegal. Sounds like a pretty successful family. Sounds like a decent, true, middle-income family. Yeah. I wonder what his brothers and sisters were like. Right. Do you think is it? Um, do you find a lot of people following like nurses to nurse kids happens a lot? Um, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of nurses I know like um, lineage kind of thing. Yeah, like they're becoming like NPs or something because that's what their parents do, and which I think I think is great. I mean, that's what I'm doing pretty much. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Your dad, your stepdad was an anesthesiologist. Yep. Which hopefully you will be one day. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it. I feel like if I was killed by a normal ass dude, I'd kind of butt hurt though. You know? Yeah, I feel like if if I wasn't a nurse and my nurse killed me, I'd be like, oh well, you're smarter than me. Like I I got it. You know. <laughs> well, I want my guys. <laughs> I want my guys' past to be a little more fucked up. You know, yeah, like he was kept like, in a cage, trauma? fed squirrels why his whole you life. This way? Yeah. yeah. Why do you get off on killing people? You had a nice life. You know, he also could just be a fucking liar, kind of like Ted Bundy was. He said he was all okay and everything, but when you dig deeper, he kind of had a fucked up life. That's true. Okay, <clears throat> actually, you know what? Let's. Pause this again. Let's look this fucker up. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. One, two, three. So we just looked up uh, old Niels. Not good looking. No, he looks terrifying. He looks. If that guy was my nurse, I would be like, whoa, he looks like Frankenstein. Yeah, he's got, um, he's all eyes and nose, no chin. (laughs) But his double chin's bigger than his other chin. <laughs> kind of looks a little like me if Love I let it, it go. He's <laughs> got the gold earring. I kind of like that. He has a nice hairline. Nice. Big-ass big forehead, but nice hairline. In the fade, he kind of got a good haircut. Yeah. <laughs> but this dude is ugly. Mm-mm. He has one bad ear. Look at that one ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. What is that, cauliflower ear or some shit? Did I not bring that up? No. Or maybe we talk about it later. So one of the reasons he got caught, remember, is when we say... um. Remember that woman was like, someone came in, gave me a shot, and they mm-hmm. resuscitated me, the same can, person. She can identify him? She says he had a fucked up ear. Oh, shit. Okay. So unless this guy was wrestling, maybe some of that trauma is related to his chicken wing ear. <laughs> it does look like a chicken wing ear. Yeah, so that, feel free to, I mean, you guys will see what he looks like, because we're going to post the picture on. Um, He's an ugly dude. He's not attractive. Ugly we're dude. actually going to save this exact picture <laughs> so people can completely guess. 1994, Hogel begins attending a vocational nursing program at St. Wilhelm Hospital in Wilhelmshaven, the same hospital which his father was employed. By 1997, he had completed his nursing program, and the hospital offered him employment as a nurse. Additionally, he was further employed by local emergency services as an emergency medical technician. Do you find that to be kind of normal? Well, nowadays, it's like an EMT is like lower than a nurse. Um, Do they used to be the same thing? I don't, I'm not sure. Not here, I don't think. Um, but nurses can, like, paramedics is like a hop, skip, and a jump away from a nurse. So I could see that for sure. Yeah, and maybe he just needed more money, you know, starting out. Yeah. He's kind of working his ass off. Plus, he probably wants to just fucking murder people. Yeah, he wants to be out in the field killing people now. Rather that than would just... probably be even easier, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, because you're already arriving to an em- emergency situation, yeah. you know. Like and they don't, don't know, know how you pick the guy up. Right, yeah. And whatever they have in their system, you're not really accountable for because they're 
on the street. You know what I mean? So then here we go. We just solved <laughs> the perfect nurse murderer. You're a nurse. You're not a travel nurse anymore. You you're got an you EMT. keep the you keep you're an EMT. You keep the potassium on you. <laughs> keep that thing on you. Keep that thing. But it would probably be hard to shoot people up in a um EMT kind of like ambulance because there's another guy always watching you, isn't there? Yeah, I mean you have a partner for sure. Um yeah. That'd probably be pretty hard. You need to we could team up. Yeah. My pillow murderer, <laughs> Helga, potassium and pillows. We're not my caught. pillow murderer and the kale killer. And the kale killer. The kale killer. <laughs> in 1999, he moved 50 kilometers to Oldenburg and was employed by the Oldenburg Clinic, working in an intensive care ward for cardiac patients. In August 2001, a meeting was held with doctors, nurses, and orderlies to address an acute rise in the number of deaths in the ward. Following the meet- meeting, Hogel called in sick for three weeks. During this period, you deaths get fired. drastically declined. Yeah, number one, three weeks is a long time. You only have 40 hours of sick time per year. You have, a, you have, a, I have three days of sick time per year. Otherwise, I get in trouble for calling in. So you're calling in for three weeks and this guy didn't get fired? Also, what a moron. How easy would it be to get, like, imagine, like, we're looking f- for someone who killed someone. Where's Niels? Uh, he went to the Bahamas for three weeks. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Fucking moron. What he should have done. suspect. Yeah, what he should have done, kept working killed less people mm-hmm. you know just keep the numbers weird yeah mm-hmm. but go down yeah despite the rise in deaths that appeared to be tied to holgel there is no investigation rather he has moved to the anesthesiology ward in an evaluation in 2002 he had earned high praise in a certification program at the hospital he worked cautiously conscientiously and independently <laughs> in critical situations he acted well considered and factually correct i bet you he was cool as a cucumber in those critical situations too because yeah, he loved it because he loved it yeah <laughs> this praise does not last long by september 2002 he was confronted by the Oldenburg world chief physician at the recommendation of the chief anesthesiologist he is given the choice of resigning with pay or being moved to with the, pay with pay or oh. being moved to the clinic's logistics section handling moving of patients and medical equipment. This guy should not be allowed around patients if they have any suspicion. If there's so many deaths tied to this guy, why is he even allowed to move patients? Cuz you can do some you can do anything when you're in charge of a patient like that, whether you're moving them, caring for them. They did not give this guy enough. Yeah, enough I mean penalty. <laughs> I'm hoping, I don't know how the, the court system works there, but uh, I feel like I could sue the fuck out of this yeah, old world place for, for malpractice sure. by not getting this guy the fuck out of there. Yeah, he should have got the axe immediately. Okay, so the clinic's logistics section, do you know what that is? Um, is it is this just like the guy who moved, like the kind of dumb people that just move people out in wheelchairs at the end of the day? Well, that would be like transport, moving patients and medical equipment. That would be like transport and stuff like that. Logistics, I would assume, I don't really know what logistics means. Um... I think it's probably like That's something to do with like UPS or DHS, doesn't it? We're all talking about logistics. I think it's <laughs> Clint's logistics section. I don't know. Maybe he's working with numbers. Ain't important. Yeah. This fucking toad faced psycho <laughs> is just getting started. <clears throat> he seeks a recommendation for a new job and is given one. Jesus. <laughs> which says he is circumspect, diligent, autonomous, and correct in critical situations. He's autonomous for sure. He just takes it into his own hands, but I don't know if he's correct in critical situations at all. He's definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah, the guy moved, got he got moved down yeah. from being a, a heart nurse, badass motherfucker, yeah. or bougie, 
Then he goes to anesthesiology. Then he gets boots booted to Clinic's logistics. Yeah. And the guy's like, yep, this dude's still good. He's the shit. No, Morons. he's not. Following the confrontation, he applies and receives a job at the Delmhorst Clinic again about 50 kilometers away. I don't, I can't really place this right now, but I do remember that when that American nurse was killing everybody. Um, Which one? Remember the one that we saw in Dirty Arizona? John? No, not oh, Dirty John, the yeah. other guy. Yeah, yeah. He, um, the distance helped a lot. Like, I think maybe it was like changing states or something. Yeah. Really helped him out. Mm-hmm. If a nurse changes a hospital a ton, is this a bad sign? I think so. And if you're constantly being reassigned, like even if you're in the same hospital, but you're constantly being reassigned, it's like, why are you being reassigned? Why are you going from place to place? Why is there no longevity in any of your work history? I guess I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think you could do that in any job unless you're being reassigned upwards. Mm -hmm. It's never a good sign. Yeah. We already talked about that. Travel nurse would be a great way to kill somebody. But you're still going to have to get potassium. Is potassium easy to get? To steal? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not it's not something that's controlled, like a narcotic. So, I mean, I could... Is that the one that burns when you put it inside your yes. body? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, my yes. buddy Morgan, who got hit, who's doing better, if anyone's war- wondering, he says that shit uh, felt like uh, when Wolverine gets his, like, metal bones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not fun. I've, I've had a lot of patients not happy when I have to give them potassium. In December of 2002, he moves at Denham Hulse. He proves popular amongst the staff for his technical knowledge and attention to detail. But he's associated with a pattern of reanimation and death. I'm thinking reanimation means when someone's dead and they come back to life. Oh, yeah, I think so. Earning additional nicknames such as the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. And Holgol's Shadow. Lightweight kind of badass nicknames. Yeah, very. But also... Scare. How are you popular among staff and they call you the Grim Reaper? Also, how do That's... you look like that and you're yeah. popular among staff? <laughs> exactly. How ugly are the nurses here? Right. I think, you know what I think? I think if they had more Filipino nurses, they would have snuffed this out. For sure. They would have been like, this guy is a bad vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, great nicknames. During the time, he is noted for being obsessed with reanimation and resuscitation. Red flags, folks. Very big red flag. Though many of these he resuscitate dies. Another red flag. Yeah. By the end of 2003, staffs and doctors increasingly distanced themselves from him, and patients had developed a fear of Holgol. No kidding. One victim dies only after being continually poisoned and resuscitated many times over. God. What a way to go. I just don't understand this because it's like if you're if you're stealing narcotics or something, you're getting something out of it. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're stealing drugs for yourself, you're getting something out of it. What are you getting out of killing these people? What are you? I mean, other Thank than God. He gets to play God. He I guess. To, he gets yeah. to kill them and then bring them back to life. I guess. That's have you not ever killed? Have you ever brought someone back to life? Yeah. Not because I intentionally killed yeah. them, but yeah, for sure. Many times. Does it feel good or are you just kind of more like anxiety goes away because this person didn't die? It feels good in the sense that you're like, I saved this person's life, but it's not something I get off on at all. You know, it's like it feels good because you, you did your job. Life. Yeah. Despite this, even when empty vials of agmaline are found, nothing is reported. Agmaline, a chemical compound that slows heart rate significantly, oh. is not being administrated at the hospital, but being reserved for irregular cases of patients with genetic disorders affecting heart rate. Mm. 
that's something you would use in a code too. That kind of like a code situation, that kind of medication. Yeah, Sometimes it's like someone's about to have a heart attack, so you put that with them, it slows their heart. Down. Also, yeah. But then when you're they're totally normal and you slow their heart down, that's, that's bad. That's bad. That's having a heart attack. If people see empty v- bottles around, would this rise suspicions? For sure. Would this even be possible in today's world? Still, yeah, a little. Leaving empty vials around? Yeah, for sure. So you you could still. Do you mean like people would notice it or like there's like if you saw an empty vial somewhere, would you be like, what the fuck is going on? One empty vial? No. Um, if I walked into a room and there was like five empty vials of like the same medication, that would prompt me to be like, why did this patient get so much of this one medication? Mm-hmm. It would. Yeah. Be Especially if it's something that's only used when in someone a code situation with yeah. a genetic disorder. Yeah, for sure. Like that is a very rare thing. Right. In 2004, Hogel marries and shortly afterwards fathers a child. It's going to be a good kid. <laughs> in December of that year, a woman in his ward suffers cardiac arrest and is reanimated, brought back to life. No records indicate who administered the injection that reanimated her, but she remarked to staff that it was a doctor with crinkly ears. <laughs> Matching a noticeable feature of Holgel, mm-hmm. who administered an injection before she suffered a heart attack. In May of 2005, Holgel is, seeking, is seen taking two partially full vials of Gil-Yurdamol, the same thing as Edramaline, out of a diseased, deceased patient's room. Staff begin to follow Hogel and track his movements. So I was going to say, what the fuck is crinkly ears? But we saw it. <laughs> it looks like the kind of UFC ear. The cauliflower Cauliflower ear. But he doesn't really look like... I mean, he doesn't look athletic at all, to be honest. No, he doesn't. literally (laughs) looks like a toad. Um, (laughs) Would you ever let a man with crinkly ears be your nurse? No, I would not. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to, but if you... But, I mean, I would sue a nurse if a hospital gave... I would sue a hospital if a guy with crinkly ears nicknamed Death was my nurse. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, and also, how many people do you have to kill for your nickname to be Death and not Crinkly-Eared Carl? Crinkly-Eared Carl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if, like, people are looking over your freaky-ass ears <laughs> because you've killed that many people. On June twenty second, 2005, Holgo is caught adjusting a patient's syringe, attempting to administer Ajmaline. He has turned off the alarm that would call for staff to react to a cardiac arrest. On June the 24th, two days later, doctors and staff meet in an isolated antiseptic chamber to discuss Holgel. Dang. Released from his position at the clinic, the clinic notifies the Delmhaus police who launched an investigation into Holgel. He is arrested in July. Two questions here. Mm-hmm. Would there ever be a reason someone turned off an alarm that would call to react to a cardiac arrest? You can turn off the monitors in the ICU like we normally do it when somebody's on like comfort care, meaning like... We're kind of like allowing them to die slowly so that it doesn't make noise when they die. Um, but if you are turning off alarms, that's that's illegal. Okay. You can't do that. What you is can, a- but I mean, you technically can, but it's not a good thing to do. <laughs> it's a red flag. I For mean, this sure. guy has so many fucking flags. You started selling them on the side yeah. of the highway. <laughs> what is an antiseptic chamber? Um, An antiseptic chamber? I'm assuming it's like a... um. Like, you know, I, I can't think of how to explain it. Like, you know, when you see in movies how they go in and they get like sprayed down. Yeah, that's down. what I think, too. I'm thinking it's that. I've never referred to an area as an antiseptic chamber. I would guess, too. Cause yeah. Because that would make the most sense. And then maybe they don't want him to listen. Because, I mean, if you think this guy's murdering people all the time, you probably 
looking over your shoulder right. for Hogel. <laughs> over the next year and a half, Hogel is investigated for his activities at Delmhorst. His medical neglect, he is charged in December 2006 for five counts of involuntary manslaughter, which include a five-year ban on working in the medical field. He is charged with a co-defendant, another nurse from the hospital, who appeals. The appeal is accepted and the sentence reversed. He obtains work at an elder kale facility and moves in with his parents. Um, so I don't know what I don't I don't remember hearing about this other nurse, but I'm guessing what happened was he was charged with the other nurse. The nurse was appealed. And so since he was with her, he got that to two. Yeah. The other nurse was probably innocent. Yeah. It was like him helping with her patients, probably or his patients and. After two years, Hogel is retried with additional charges. He receives a seven-year sentence, again for manslaughter, and a seven-year ban on employment. He begins to attract the attention of some members of the press due to the possibility that there are more victims and that it may not be a case simply of medical neglect. No, not at all. A year away from his release, the Oldenburg Regional District Attorney reopens its investigation into Hogel. That's one thing I'm going to say about these German... Uh, police and they're good thorough thorough sort of. yeah you know a lot of times you know maybe someone gets this guy some time and they're like we got him in trouble let's not go into it but no these motherfuckers they reopened it a lot they reopened like, it yeah. a lot a lot of times right oh. when he almost came out it's okay <laughs> in september of 2014 hogo was charged with an additional three counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder during his initial interview, he confesses not only to these, but to an additional 30 murders. It is during this time that Hogel becomes nationally and internationally recognized, though he has already earned a reputation among Saxony's medical professionals and local news. Interesting. So he's only did 30 now, which to me is still weird. Yeah. Because it's not like 30. They're like, all right, you said it. We'll get you out in seven years. Right. It's like you're still going forever. Take it, buddy. Put up the numbers. Get in the Hall of Fame. Right. The following month after Hogel's confession, the Demenhorst police open a wider investigation into the alleged crimes. By November, they have identified more than 200 potential victims in conjunction with regional police open an even wider investigation under the task force named Cardio. I love that. Sick. I love that. For the confessions of September 14th, Hogel is sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 15 years. So I'm guessing, um, I'm guessing if the reason he said to the 30 murders is so it got pled down, so he doesn't have to go to court. Yeah, he's probably trying to get out, like at confess some point. for some kind of forgiveness mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Over the next two years, Task Force Cardio identifies 37 victims killed between 2003 and 2005. Damn, damn near 40 people in two years that's pretty good that's like four to a month almost yeah that's putting up some real numbers there yeah. prompting the police to continue digging into hogel's past and expanding the investigation to oldenburg and Wilhelmshaven. <laughs> by august of 2017 they identified 90 victims over the next year the number increases to nearly 300 suspected cases that involve hogel that to me seems more likely 300 yeah because if you're gonna because sure. if you're gonna get the numbers to jump to where they keep having these meetings it's gonna be more than a person or two a month yeah how many people do you think you would uh or helga would have had to kill in a month for 
a little investigation to start opening? A month? I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I would say three or four a month. Three or four. four or five months, maybe, yeah. That's spiking the numbers. That's a little unnatural, for sure. <laughs> okay. In January 2018, Hogle was charged with more than 100 murders. So the 300 are suspected, 100 are, they pretty much think they got them on the case for them. The first occurred on se- February 7, 2000, and the last on June 24, 2005, days after he was caught by staff at Denimahon Horse. In 2018, Hogel has been working in the medical field for 20 years and is now age 42. Wow. Hogel's trial begins on October 30th, 2018. During the trial, Hogel confesses to 43 of the murders. Of the remainder, five he denies outright, and 52 he states he cannot remember. I'm going to confess to 40, but these other 50 I don't remember. <laughs> One of my favorite is just the not remembering. Right. One. It's not like you like... Straight up denied it. He's just like, I don't know. Could be, could be, I don't know. So many murders. Yeah. I did it a lot. I don't remember these specific 52. As he walks, he's just rattling and actually mean things. Um, During sentencing in the June of the following year, he is found guilty of 85 counts of murder and his life sentence is adjusted to life without the possibility of parole. He appeals, which is denied in September 2020. Finally, it was denied. Finally, this guy's getting what he deserves. And it's this all stuff is happening now. Yeah. This guy's still alive. There's still a toad fuck in prison with gnarled ears (laughs) with probably close to 300 murders. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, this guy, Niles Hogle, no one of us has ever heard of. Right. Mm -mm. But he probably has killed more people than any serial killer than, like, i've ever most heard of notorious serial killers for sure i'd say because i think 300 is probably close to what he did and he's saying he's in the medical field for 20 years i mean let's do 15 15 times 12 is 100 and i don't know 120-ish i don't know we'll do that real math real quick let's go onto a calculator 15 15 times 12 equals 180 divided. So that's almost, it's like 1.7 a month. Still not that bad. No. I mean, still like. It's awful, but it's <laughs> yeah. still awful, but it's not really enough to raise like suspicion. Yeah, so he think. probably did more than that. Yeah. He just doesn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Lost in, you know, it's just wild time. Was having a good day. In the aftermath, a series of changes and reforms were instituted. Good. Right. The clinics affected immediately began their own analysis, issuing both apologies and compensations of victims. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. In part, due to police not wanting copycat killers to emerge, many details were left out of official releases. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Improved security for certain medications that he had used, as well as other new national law in Germany requiring two people rather than one to confirm the cause of a death. That's very factual. Is that, that what they do here? We have to have, um, you have to have a, a doctor's order that says it's called like a two-nurse ner- two pr- pronunciation of death. So meaning like, especially because I work nights, so doctors aren't always there. Um, you can basically, like if a patient's dead, there's a flow sheet we have to go through. If you're my second nurse, we have to both check that their pupils don't react. We have to both listen to their heart and lungs, make sure there's nothing like that. So I'm assuming before that, it only required one. <laughs> and now that there were so many red flags with this guy, they're like, no, two nurse, two nurses. With meds too, certain med- medications, like if I'm giving certain sedatives, somebody else has to sign off on it. 
Good. I mean, it seems like, you know, I bet in your job, a lot of this can be irritating to go through these steps, but it seems There's like... There's always a reason why it's a good. Place. And this yeah. seems like a goddamn good Yeah. <laughs> wow, this shit just happened last two months ago. The most recent updates to the case as of April 2021 are that four of his former supervisors are in the process of being indicted by Oldenburg district attorneys for their role in providing the conditions in which Holgel could kill with impunity. I mean... What? I mean, the guy getting fu- getting reduced to anesthesiology and then transportation and then giving him a letter of recommendation. Yeah. I mean, you, I don't know if the guy was knew he was doing it, but you're some of the shit's on your head. Yeah. I mean, rather than just reassigning somebody, like if you're really if management's noticing like a high increase of deaths they should do more than just reassign somebody you know so i guess i guess i can see how that how that came back on them with his final charges he is considered the worst german serial killer of all time since 1945 oh since 1945 which i think was hitler yeah (laughs) so it wasn't as bad as hitler case study the attempted murder so now we're gonna do uh we do do our last case where we jump into one case you know or a couple cases at the Mm -hmm. end we normally go through a thing and then go a little deeper into something else this was Mm. the one about the attempted murder of matthias corson in july of 2005 hogel was arrested for attempted murder of a patient named in newspapers and court documents as dieta dieta whose syringe manipulation was witnessed by other staff as they walked in on hogel in june of 2005 survived and a few days later hogel was released from his job despite his arrest other staff members at Oldenburg and other clinics and emergency services still believed Hogel was innocent. <laughs> Matthias Corson, an Airbus technician who had met Hogel while Hogel was working as a paramedic, befriended him and they remained in occasional contact. In 2005, they were still in touch and Corson followed the case against Hogel closely, even acting as a character witness for Hogel's defense. When Hogel was released from prison, Corson allowed him to stay at his apartment. Ho- no, go ahead. <laughs> Hogel spent much of his time in the dark in Corson's living room, chain smoking and staring at the wall. <laughs> what? <laughs> First of all, if if we were friends and I was being investigated for all kinds of murders as a nurse, would you let me live with you? I mean, if I believed in you, my problem would be I'd be like, I'm all right. I'm killing, like. My problem would be like, <laughs> you know, I believe you didn't do this. <laughs> I love you. Come and live with me. And then you come and you just chain smoke, smoke cigarettes and, and stare, stare at, at the wall. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, uh, well, you've got to go. Like, this is weird. <laughs> he, would speak f- he would speak frequently of his wife and child who had left him after his arrest in 2005. Makes sense. Finally, we got to that yeah. answer. Whenever Corson would bring up the case, Holger would re- refuse to discuss the matter, simply denying that any of the allegations were true. Continually, Holger would ask Corson for money, for gas, and for food, but also to p- purchase a police scanner, which he began to obsessively listen to. So many red flags with this guy, and yet people still believed in him. I don't get it. Yeah, and it's not like he didn't look like a creep. Yeah, it's not like he doesn't look the part either. Yeah. Like he <laughs> it was at this time that Hogan Corson departed on good terms with Corson helping Hogan move in with his elderly parents. What differentiated Corson from Hogel's other defenders at this time was the fact that Corson was not a co-worker or supervisor, but a former patient. In 2004, Corson had been in a serious car accident and had been Hogel in the ambulance that came, recovered him from the wreck, and took him to the hospital. Hmm. Corson, severely injured, panicking, and in and out of consciousness, was intubated by Hogel. Corson was placed on a helicopter for emergency surgery. 
While he was recovering, Hogel surprisingly for a paramedic visited him in the hospital where their friendship began. That's weird. Inappropriate. <laughs> Very weird. Hogel, besides checking on the status of his recovery, would bring him gifts and spend time in the hospital with Corson. Weird. Weird. It was this experience that ingratiated Corson to Hogel, both saving his life in the ambulance as well as visiting him in the hospital. They remained friends until 2009 when Hogel finally went to jail. Years after Hogel's 2009 arrest and sentencing, Corson was visited by police from Oldenburg who were conducting interviews related to Hogel. They were members of the task force Cardio and were following up with Corson not because of his relationship with Hogel, but because they had access to Corson's medical files which indicated that Hogel had been serving technician when Corson was in his accident. Corson's case matched other cases where Hogel had intubated patients unnecessarily for the purpose of resuscitating them. When medical examiners reviewed Corson's case, they identified his symptoms of loss of consciousness and panicky behavior as being unrelated to the injuries suffered from the accident. Mm. It was the opinion of the medical and criminal investigators that Hogel had drugged him and resuscitated him seven, several times before he was evacuated to the helicopter and into intensive care where the condition rapidly improved. Imagine being this guy's only friend through all this and such a like a character witness for him and then you find out that he did the same shit to you and then visited you in the hospital brought you gifts like that's that's crazy this guy's manipulative af that's crazy so fucked up yeah (sighs) it also shows them you know earlier we talked about how being uh the ambulance guy might be easier to do this shit yeah and so he was doing it when he worked in an ambulance too Mm mm-hmm Corson suffered a severe decline in mental health after this came to light, receiving treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder and developed a phobia of injections. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) To the extent that he had surgery without anesthetic. Oh. So that's uh, Matthias's case. Pretty good on that one. Yeah. Wow, that's a great little surprise at the end, too, because we were wondering the whole time what kind of person would get this guy's back. Yeah. And it was someone who believed deeply in him. I don't blame him for believing in him initially because if you think this guy saved your life, you're like, wow, he's coming to visit me, like whatever. And then you find out that he did all this shit to you. That's crazy. And you had him living in your house, you feeding him. And you're like, no, no, people normally stare at the wall, smoke cigarettes, and listen to police scanners. He's a homie. He's my guy. He's my homie. He's my homie. The homie homie. Yes, people call him the shadow or death, but it's Hogel, baby. Yeah. (laughs) You ain't going to look at Hogel like that. (laughs) Wow. Oh, here we go. We got another little thing. Oh, fun. Oh, Oh, we do. We got another little guy here. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, we got two here. Sick. All right, what's going to go? This might be a little longer of a pod. How Hogel killed. Ooh. Hogel confirmed victims ranged from age 34 to 96 and suffered from a variety of health problems, making them one of the most desperate victim pools <clears throat> of any serial killer. What they had in common was what they, that they were unfortunate enough to have been placed in Hogel's care and that his method of murder, killing them with drugs so that he might have the opportunity to resuscitate them, was the same. Hogel utilized a variety of chemicals generally for the purpose of stopping the heart so he could resuscitate his victims, dose and kill them again, and then resuscitate or reanimate again. God damn. Jesus. Thus, many of the chemicals used were for rare heart conditions, though at the time the conditions changed, a wide variety of substances were used in a chemical cocktail, unique enough that it served to identify him later on in his career. 
Oh. Interesting. The primary means of killing his patients was ashmaline, also known as gilutermol, rhythmos, and arytamina. Made from the Ralvolfia serpentina, known as a serpentine wood, Indian snake root, and devil pepper. Devil pepper? Devil pepper is another <laughs> cool last nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Side effects of the plant and drug are vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, headache, and hypersensitivity. In patients who survived their encounters with Hogel, such as Matthias Corson, this became characteristics of their experiences being treated by Hogel. In his last memories before passing out, these symptoms of dizziness, anxiety, and hypersensitivity were experienced by Corson en route to the hospital. Hmm. The purpose of ashmaline is to regulate the heartbeat of a patient, bring it to a state of bradycardia. Bradycardia just means that your heart's going slow. So normal would be like 60 to 100 beats a minute. Bradycardia is anything under 60. Okay. By giving his patients excessive doses, Hogel would either render his victims unconscious or would kill them with the express purpose of resuscitating them. Though ashmaline was his drug of choice, Hogel relied on a host of others. Amiodarone. Amiodarone, yeah. You know that one. Mm-hmm. A treatment for irregular heartbeats began taking off the market because of its dangerous side effects, including nausea, severe constipation. Ooh, severe constipation. We Damn. still use amiodarone, so maybe it was taken off the market in Germany. <laughs> but oh, shit. Okay. Don't go to your hospital. Right. <laughs> what about sodalol? Sodalol, yeah, same thing. Um, anything that ends in LOL like that is called a beta blocker. So that can decrease your uh, blood pressure, but it can also slow down your heart rate as well. Fantastic information. <laughs> because these drugs simulate or can cause heart failure, they were perfect for Hogel's purpose, creating a medical emergency in which he would be able to revive the patient, both to illustrate his technical skill, but also feed his fascination with reanimation. The brutality of the side effects, severe sickness, dizziness, vomiting, swelling, and often death were exaggerated in Hogel's case as he gave his victims excessive amounts in order to ensure that they would suffer heart failure and death. I mean, the fucking... This guy, dude. That is a rough way to go. Yeah. Dude. Multiple heart attacks, severe sickness, dizzying, vomiting, severe constipation yeah and even if you're like if he's giving people if he's giving people heart attacks and resuscitating them over and over like you're gonna have if you're lucky enough to survive this guy you're gonna have a lot of fucked up heart yeah your heart's gonna be fucked after this like <clears throat> when these compounds for heart disease and heart irregularity irregularity were not available hogel concocted his own compounds on re or relied on anesthetics. Which is why moving him to the anesthesia department is the worst thing they could do. Lidocaine, a local anesthetic, was utilized intravenously <laughs> in large doses. Like the above medications, its side effects include low heart rate, swelling, confusion, nausea, numbness, tingling, and confusion Oof. with the effects exaggerated in large quantities and in patients with liver problems. Using enormous doses, this would likely cause the patient to become ill and suffer heart failure. The administration of potassium <laughs> called right it all along. Helga's back, baby. <laughs> also used to regulate heart function was even more unpredictable. The administration of potassium orally has led to accidental overdoses, and with Hogel, he administered it in great quantities. That some of his victims suffered renal failure was a sign that they had suffered poisoning by potassium at his hands. What's renal failure? Uh, kidney failure, basically. How much, how much, okay, let's go over this real quick. How much potassium would you need to give me orally? 
But that's why I'm surprised it says orally. I mean, it's it's harder, a lot harder to overdose on oral potassium. But before you could even overdose, it would make you sick. Oral potassium will make you nauseous real quick. Okay, and also the lidocaine. He's uh, injecting that. That yeah. shit would fucking hurt, right? Well, actually, no. Lidocaine is is, is, a, is an anesthetic, so it wouldn't hurt. But it has it, it. You can have lidocaine with epi in it, with epinephrine in it, which will stop your heart or mess. Yeah, mess things up pretty badly. Depending on the location and the time of the murder, these drugs were used alone and in combination to resuscitate his victims. He would utilize enormous quantities of adrenaline epinephrine epinephrine to revive his victims though in studies of his victims toxology they had been given so much adrenaline in some cases that it was the adrenaline itself that killed them mm-hmm. hogel also took to carrying defibrillator defib defibrillator defibrillator paddles <laughs> with him concealed within the doctor's jacket that he liked to wear that is so weird. You don't carry defib paddles with you. This guy kept the glizzy on. They it. did. He was strapped at all times. Oh wow, this is awesome nicknames here. <laughs> His carrying of a defibrillator earned him the nickname Resuscitation Rambo. <laughs> oh, here we go. We just finished this. Or in German, Reanimation Rambo. So the um, translation. Okay. So every time you heard reanimation, it was resuscitation. Makes sense. While he would rely on chemicals to resuscitate, his reputation or excessive use of defibrillators was well known by his staff he worked with. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what? I do now see why his his bosses or coworkers were charged. Yeah. This shit's crazy, dog. Mm-hmm. This guy's walking around with fucking defibrillators, leaving Angeline things everywhere. And nobody said anything. And he's you're giving him fucking resuscitation Rambo nicknames? Yeah. <laughs> In the shadow, it's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> this is on some of the higher ups. Too. Yeah, for sure. Ultimately, the great majority of his victims had been exhumed in the. Oh, that's so sad. Mm. And the cause of death could only be assigned by the level of chemicals left in their decayed bodies. Dang. <sighs> that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Given that so many of the patients he was assigned were cremated, Jesus Christ, drug analysis of all potential victims can never be possible. Interesting. The case studied by the Cardio Task Force with over 200 possible suspected victims as well as the 85 victims he'd been found guilty of all had signs of severe trauma associated with intentional dosing of massive qualities of heart medication and adrenaline. Wow. So that's why it's closer to 300 because most of those people were cremated. Yeah. All right, we are at the last part of this podcast. You've done a great job, Jordan. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate having you on. Hopefully, people enjoyed having a you know more medical uh, side to this. I think you sounded pretty smart. Niles Hogel's shadow, Flegger or Nurse B. Don't know what those means, but that's the name. We might probably learn learn about little bit about what they're right now <laughs> the reforms made by the german medical community after the niles hogel case resulted in a higher security for the drugs mentioned above better record keeping and more importantly the enforcements of a rule where two medical examiners have to review and assign a cause of death rather than have one coroner look at the case despite these changes a copycat killer emerged soon after niles hogel was tried in 2018 oh god it was a serious concern of German authorities that releasing information to the public about Hogel's identity and methods would result in a copycat killer, given the relative ease with which Hogel's murdered so many victims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It was suspected that if enough information was made public, a similar individual in a similar position as Hogel would emerge, filling in gaps in the information but made public by using their own medical background, much True. as Hogel utilized his experiences at school as an EMT to learn how to administer drugs and resuscitate parent patients. You know, a lot of these medical words this week is uh, <laughs> really fucking me up. So if you notice a lot of edits, that's why. Until the above reforms were made and some safeguards were in place, German police kept much of the knowledge of the case under wraps. Okay. When the extent of Hogel's case became public in 2018 and 2019, it was no longer feasible to hide the information. But then reforms and safeguards had started to come to clinics and public information from the case was being used to examine other cases as well as implement the reforms themselves. Good. Despite this, it appears that the information revealed earlier during his initial admission of guilt in the fall of 2014 and during the case in the winter and spring of 2015 was enough to facilitate the emergence of a copycat killer. Dun, dun, dun. They heard about Helga. They learned about Helga. Yeah, I got busted. Helga got busted. <laughs> My pillow murderer. He, he didn't last long. In June 2016, as more of Nails Hogel's case was becoming public, Investigations were conducted in the Saarland, south of where Hogan had been active. A man named Flegger, whose full name has not been released due to the ongoing nature of the investigations, appeared at the Homburg University Hospital, where a doctor's uniform, he was he would wear a doctor's uniform and carried an electric defibrillator. Goodness gracious. Let's put a lock on the defibrillator. Yeah. <laughs> Asking to see a patient who had just been admitted, it was soon discovered that the man was a nurse at the hospital, but in a different ward. He had not reported to a shift and had stolen a doctor's court to gain entry into the emergency ward. Wow. So, would it be easy for you to steal? I mean, so let's say you've been at your current hospital for six months right now? Because mm -hmm. you've been a travel nurse? Mm -hmm. Um could you go to a different ward and would people not know who you were? Yeah, but it's not necessarily like it's not you can't just throw on a white coat and get in anywhere. Like it's more so like you have to have badge access to places. So like your bat your nurse's badge won't get you in anywhere. It, it will, but only in places where I'm like privileged to go. Like I don't know if it would let me into the emergency room because I don't need to go there. Um, I can't get in to get into any of like the pediatric units because I don't work in pediatrics. So. Him throwing on a white coat shouldn't just gain him. And plus, it's well, like... A, I think he was a nurse, so he had the card, too. Yeah, but it's like if if a doctor's asking to see my newly admitted patient, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is look at his badge and be like, who are you? Which doctor are you? Like, Because you're a good nurse. True. <laughs> Not these fucking dumbass yeah. German people that just let this guy murder people for a right. long time. When this was discovered, he was arrested. During his background check, it was also revealed that the employee who had only worked at the hospital for a month was under investigation by the university hospital for incorrectly administrating drugs. Administering drugs. It was also revealed that he had been the subject of an internal investigation at his previous place of work, the Volkingler Clinic, which he left after a suit and countersuit saw him relieved of his position. Like I said, man, if you switch hospitals and they're far enough away and they're not in the same branch, you can kind of get away with it. Yeah. While at the Volklinger Clinic, he had worked from January 2015 to March 2016, about a year and a half. He had been suspected of tampering with patients' doses. The combination of these factors led to further investigations, culminating in the exhumation of a number of potential victims. Dang. 
This would make me pretty... I mean, maybe we just don't hear about it in America, but this would be freaking me the fuck out to go to German I, hospitals. I just feel like if, if somebody was just... Like, the most notorious German serial killer was just arrested and all these things, and then shortly after, somebody's walking around with the same white coat and the same defib pads. How does nobody catch on to this? Like... Yeah, no, you're completely right. I mean, you feel like you f- you think that uh, tensions would be high. And yeah, I'd be like, I've seen this before. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen this somewhere before. You got crinkly here ears there, Flugberg, Flugger, 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 P F L E G R E R P F L E G E R. Flugger, Flugger, like phlegm. <laughs> On the seven suspected victims, six were discovered to have large quantities of unprescribed drugs in their systems, including the now notorious Ajmaline. Following these discoveries and interviews with two other victims who had been given Ajmaline and survived, Flegger was arrested for fraud for an unrelated incident with a major investigation opened into the patients he had worked on, with all the incidents being considered murder or attempted murder. Wow. In 2019, the investigation was expanded to include attempts to the Homburg Hospital, and charges were finally filed in January of 2021. Dang, recently. Baby, this shit is current. That's what we're <laughs> doing at World of Drugs. Saying some old shit, they're doing this now. <laughs> Flegger was also known simply in press documents as Nurse B. To protect his identity, he has remained silent about the charges in any upcoming trial. Just as in the Hogel case, Flegger was known to be obsessed with reanimation, and also like Hogel, his victims shared little in common with each other, two being 77-year-old women and three ranging men from 31 to 81. The investigations remain ongoing, but has extended to two more locations near the Frank city of Frankfurt, where the suspect previously had served as a nurse before moving to Omberg. So this guy went to... Let's see if we can go this... Flegger, Flegger, Flegger. Flegger was in Volkenlinger. Then he went to Hamburg. Mm-hmm. I think he had one more in there. So that's about three hospitals. Frankfurt, too. So three. Frankfurt, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's still going on an investigation. That's crazy. So in this episode, we had a guy murder probably close to 300 people. <laughs> Keep getting away with it. Yeah. And getting recommendations. Causing a copycat killer. Using a drug that seemed pretty pretty good to kill people with. We also had Helga, <laughs> who was using potassium, which I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, you called that a little bit. A little bit. I'm going to go, you called it a little bit. <laughs> so good job on that one. That's how smart you are. And so Helga, creep, corner, doesn't talk to people, travel nurse, got away with it. Me, my pedo murder, my, <laughs> my pedo murderer. <laughs> The My Pillow Murderer. Yeah, the My Pillow Murderer. And murderer. Uh, I got caught. Didn't last too long. Neither of us has crinkly ears. No, thankfully. Jordan Turner. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. It was a great time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully everyone likes this episode. I got a lot of editing due because German and um, <laughs> medical, medical terminology are not my forte. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, we're I, like I said, you know, we got a lot of banger episodes coming up. We've got... We've got this really great Serbian mob one. We have a huge, deep, in-depth look into the 18th Street gang, which uh, is definitely in L.A. A little scary to be going on that one, but whatever. We also have... Oh, we also have these cannibalistic uh, boyfriend and girlfriend that drug and ate 30 people in Russia. 
gross. Yeah, so you know what, guys? Make sure you check out the pod. Thanks for listening. This shit's growing every week. Um, I'll talk. I already talked about everything that happened in my last week in the beginning of this podcast. So thank you guys very much, Jordan. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Uh, see you next time. <laughs>